Well, thank you so much for having us. We're really excited about being here, uh, especially because a lot of what I'm going to share has just come through in the worship, just really believing a faithful God wants to bring breakthrough today. And as part of that, we're going to share with you God's heart for the nations. Uh, just as part of an introduction, um, my amazing, hilarious, loving, beautiful wife is going to tell you a bit of what we're up to at the moment in The Hague. Um, so uh, there's a slide. Go for it. Hi, everyone. You all all right? This is like the most epic high um, <laughs> thing you've ever seen. In Holland, that would do really well because they're already tall and we're tall quite people. short there. Yeah. Um, so we are currently in The Hague at Redeemer International Church, which is led by Chris Taylor and his team. And um, we're doing a church planting internship. So if you're thinking, I'd like to go church planting one day, that's a really good way to go and learn. So we're spending a, a bit above a year, over a year, I mean, there and... Uh, I am leading worship, as you can see there, like working with the worship guys loads. It's really fun. Um, Pete's just started a refugee football club, which is going really well. So he gets to meet um, refugees from lots of different nations. And he gets to play football with them. Uh, is that our canal up there? It is, our yeah. canal. That's near yeah. where we live. Um, it's really <laughs> pretty. And yeah, we're obviously, it's been quite a challenge moving because we have our lovely G with us as well, who used to foster. Um, so she's still in the UK at the moment. So that was a big journey, like, you know. At the moment, she's still in the UK. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was obviously a big change, moving from East Grinstead, small town, to The Hague. But um, yeah, God's been really, really faithful. And um, yeah, we're loving life, enjoying serving the church and learning lots about what it means to be uh, a new ground, a church planting movement and having fun on the journey. Cool. Great. Thank That's you very it. much. Goodbye. Fantastic. <laughs> cool. Well, um, this is an amazing book, isn't it? This is the Bible. It's a gift for us from heaven. Um, I'm just going to move this to the side. I don't want to break it, am I? I'm not as strong as I used to be. There we go. Cool. Uh, this is, like I say, it's an amazing book, a book from heaven, from God to us. Um, and uh, it's also one big story. It's God's big story uh, of his love for us, a big story of salvation. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a specific book and a specific story catching God's heart for us but also God's big picture and his heart for the nation. So if you've got a Bible and you'd like to turn with me, I'm going to be looking at the story of Joshua. And I'm going to read to you a section from Joshua chapter 4, just to give you a little bit of context and background. For those of you that don't know the Bible at all, this is a book in the Old Testament. And the main character in this story is a guy called Joshua. And what we've got is we've got the people of God, Israel. And they have just come right in front of this river called the River Jordan, having had a season of getting distracted, wandering around in the wilderness. And before this wandering around, they'd actually had a miraculous rescue plan. God had uh, birthed Moses right in the heart of, of Egypt, and uh, Israel had actually been enslaved by the Egyptians, and uh, the people of God, the Israelites, were slaves. But God called Moses to confront Pharaoh, this leader of Egypt, and to command him to let God's people go. And after a series of miracles, we have Moses taking God's people out of Egypt, the exodus, the redemption, this delivery story of God's people out of slavery towards what was known as the promised land. 
but God's people did get a bit distracted. And so the point of the story that we come to right now is, is uh, they've been wandering around, they've been rescued, they've been wandering around, getting a little bit distracted, and they're about to enter into this land, this place that God had promised to them that they would inhabit. And so what we got right here at the start of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1 is a, is a story about... Um, is, is a section where God basically commissions Joshua to lead his people. Let me read to you a few verses at the beginning. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. And um, what happens is, is God commissions Joshua. Moses died. God commissions Joshua, this next generation leader, to lead God's people over this river. There was this barrier between God's people and this land that they were going to inhabit, this river Jordan. And so Joshua is commissioned. And then we get chapter 2, where uh, what Joshua does is he sends some spies into this land that they're going to inhabit, just to check it out. And then uh, what we have is we have chapter 3 and chapter 4, where we actually cross the river Jordan. Where, where Joshua leads God's people across the River Jordan. And chapter 3 uh, kind of describes what happens as they cross this River Jordan. And, uh, and chapter 4 kind of takes the same story, but from a slightly different angle. And so we're going to look at chapter 4's perspective this morning. And uh, I've, I've called this morning's talk, um, What Do These Stones Mean to You? What do these stones mean? Uh, what do these stones mean? It's a question that comes out in chapter 4. And uh, I'm hoping that this question and this image of stones that they set up as a memorial will captivate your heart this morning and remind you of some of the things that God's called you to do and called us to do as his people. So I'm just going to read to you Joshua 4. I'm going to read from verses 1 to 7 and then jump on a bit to the end. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where your priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodged tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe, and Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. I'm just going to jump down to verse 19. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east side of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took up out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did at the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty." that you may fear the Lord your God forever. 
Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for already being with us so powerfully through your spirit as we've worshipped you, just speaking to us about your faithfulness and about how you have and want to deliver us. And I pray you'd help me this morning as we look at this story and just be reminded of the rescue of God, but how that rescue of God is, is not just for us, but it's for the people of the earth. I pray you'd help me as I speak. I pray you'd give us all ears to hear and hearts open to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. So here's a couple of famous memorials or a statue. Uh, the one on, on your right is um, the Statue of Liberty. This is a statue that was given to the people of America, USA, from the French. And it was to be a sign of welcome to all of those people coming in to America. Slightly ironic. Um, but this is a sign of, of freedom and liberty uh, for, for people that were coming to the country. The other memorial, it's a slightly sadder um, uh, uh, memorial, this is the Holocaust Memorial in Berlin, this great city that we're going to be moving to. It's a memorial of all of those Jews that died in the Holocaust. I wonder if you're a fan of statues or memorials, if you have a famous statue or somewhere that you like, a memorial that you love to look at and there's a meaning behind it of what it means to you personally. Well, in this chapter four, Joshua uh, is basically uh, being obedient to God and leading God's people over. And God speaks to the people of God about setting up a memorial, setting up 12 stones that would be as a sign to God's people about what he had done in their life and a reminder of what he has called them to do. This uh, question, when you ask in a time to come, what do these stones mean to you, is just a phrase that just jumped out at me. God's really been speaking to me about this story of Joshua over this last season. And um, I came to this chapter, and just this question just kept jumping out at me. What do these stones mean? To the point that I kept walking around and saying it out loud, and, and Sarah getting irritated with me. Yeah, but what do these stones mean, though, Sarah? What do these stones mean? And it's a really interesting question that the Israelites are being asked, because there's meaning and significance behind the stone. You can, you can kind of imagine, can't you, just the scene, maybe even this afternoon as you're having lunch together, the little kids are asking mum and dad, mum and dad, what does this mean, or what does that mean? That's that's what kids do, don't they? They're inquisitive. They ask about the meaning of things and what things mean. And you can, you can picture the image, both maybe at the time of this rescue through Jordan, but then even years and years later of kids looking at these strange stones and saying, yeah, but dad, what, what do these stones mean? What do they represent? Well, we're going to look at a couple of uh, the answers from this passage two of which we've already been celebrating, and one of which I'm hoping will stir our hearts this morning. So firstly, what do these stones mean, friends? These stones mean that we have a faithful God, the faithfulness of God. In fact, this, this whole, not just this whole chapter, but this whole book actually is talking about the faithfulness of God. Uh, later on in, in, the, in the book, Joshua 21, verse 45, it says, Not one word of all your good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. All came to pass. But, but why? why? What, what's the actual reason within the story? Why did all the good promises of God come to pass? Well, actually, there is a bigger narrative going on in this story. We talked about how God's people have been called to inherit a land. They've been called to go into a land. And some of you who know your Bibles well will know the story of um, God speaking to Abraham, a great father Abraham, the patriarch of the people of God, and God calling Abraham and telling him that he's going to be a father to the nations. 
and that actually through Abraham there would be many, many descendants, as many as the stars in the sky and grains of sand on the seashore that would be the people of God. And that actually out of this family of God would come a Messiah, a Savior, that as, as Ian read this morning from Ephesians chapter 1, that all that those that come to Christ will receive this inheritance that had been promised all the way back to Abraham. But what is the specific promise that had been given to Abraham? I'll read to you Genesis 12, 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I'll show you, and I'll make of you a great nation. And I'll bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. This was known as the patriarchal promise to the great patriarch, Abraham. And what's going on here? Well, we have uh, God speaking to Abraham and his people about them being a great nation. He wanted Israel, his children, to be a great nation. But they weren't just to be a great nation just by existing. They were to be blessed, secondly, and be a blessing. They were to be a blessing to the rest of the world around them. And then thirdly, they were to occupy a land. They were to actually inhabit a land. God had promised them a land. And here we get the story of Joshua, the fulfillment of the promise. They actually come across the River Jordan, and this great promise that was given to Abraham is fulfilled. God is faithful to all his good promises, friends. We, um, on this Berlin adventure that we'll tell you about as I go this morning, we've got a website, and you can follow our journey of what we're up to um, as we start a church in Berlin, berlinadventure.tv. And uh, what we do each month is we post a video, because what we're trying to do is... uh, recruit people to come with us on this journey, but also share of the story, the challenges, the reality of what it is to plant a church. And so we're trying to make these video posts that we do informative, um, but also real, authentic. We're trying to be honest. To be honest, the last one we did wasn't very authentic. We did about 10 takes, and so uh, that, that blows that out. But, um, but the, the, the one um, that comes to mind uh, that was really authentic links into this picture. And we shared about how actually... We were struggling as, as we'd moved to The Hague to have this year of training, getting ready to go to Berlin. We were struggling. Our emotions and, and, and our feelings were hurting because we were missing dear friends and family. We were missing people. It was hard. We'd left our, our home and we'd gone to another land. And I, I left the flat in the morning to head to the office. And all of a sudden, this amazing rainbow showed up. And I know this is Sunday school, isn't it? This is like, this is the basics, isn't it? Like uh, God promised Noah he wouldn't flood the land and he, he proved it by showing a rainbow in the sky. But it's amazing, isn't it? That we can remember God's promises of his faithfulness towards us. The beautiful thing about this is I got five minutes down the road and um, no, it's the other way around. Sorry, I was in the flat and, um, and, uh, and uh, after five minutes of doing some prep, Sarah messaged me this picture because actually as we were both struggling with some emotions, like all of a sudden I saw this picture of a rainbow out the window of the flat, and Sarah saw it right in front of her, and as I'm being wowed by this rainbow, all of a sudden my wife messaged me, and it's a picture of the rainbow, and God just spoke to us both about his faithfulness in our lives. Philippians 4.19, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in the glory in Christ Jesus. Psalm 86.15, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Jesus supplies all of our needs, friends. He's a faithful God. Whatever you're going through at the moment, remember God is faithful. His steadfast love, his faithfulness, he will never abandon you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He won't run away from you. He won't leave you in the midst of what you're going through at the moment. 
He's with you. He's for you. He's never going to leave you. Isn't that an amazing promise? And that's true for us today, friends. This is true for us in our situation, but it's, it's true for you. It's true in the midst of what you're going through at the moment. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is a faithful God. What else do these stones mean then? Well, I think, again, just picking up on what we've just been celebrating and praying into, these stones mean that our God is a deliverer. That Our God is a God of breakthrough. Our God is a God who has delivered us and will deliver us. Our God is a God who provides a way for us. Verse 6 and 7 says, from the chapter I read, talking about these stones that this may be, and the act of God delivering his people, that this may be a sign among you. And when your children ask you in a time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them, the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. Later on it says, when you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground, the Lord your God dried up the waters of this Jordan until you passed over it. You passed over it. This phrase passed over or crossed over comes up 20 times in this chapter alone. God had provided a way for them to cross over, to pass over this barrier. I don't if anyone ever sort of been able to part water before? Anyone done that? It's a, it's a miraculous thing, isn't it? Parting water. This is what God did. He parted the water as the Ark of the Covenant, as Joshua sent the, the priests into the water, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the waters part, parted. And uh, you can just imagine this, this, this kind of story being retold. I mean, we, we've read the story, and uh, chapter 3 gives it in even more detail. If you want to read that later on, it's amazing. Just picturing this water just banking up, and the, the, the banks drying up, and people walking through this dry water. It's, it's miraculous. It's, it's incredible. But you picture the scene maybe decades, years later, of the next generation. You know, again, like I said earlier, sitting around the dinner table and the kids ask, Dad, what, what do those stones mean? What is it again about those stones? And I don't know if you've ever got these stories in your family or people you have dinner with that just come up time and time and time again. Like those kind of classic stories. We have one uh, when I'm having dinner with my parents. If someone comes round and they mention anything even slightly close to the topic of Africa, my dad dives in and shares about the time when he worked in South Africa and his time in this nation. And it's almost like me and my sister look at each other and go, here we go again, it's coming, the South Africa story is coming. And you can imagine this is going on, can't you? The Israelites, maybe a decade later, as they've inhabited the land, they say, Dad, what, what do those stones mean down at Gilgal? What's that all about? And he says, well, I'm glad you asked me, son, because there was this incredible incident. You won't believe it. We were in front of this water, this amazing river, you know, the River Jordan, just down the road. And wow, it was remarkable. As Joshua led us to this place, as the Ark of the Covenant came, oh my goodness, you won't believe it, the water banked up. You can imagine the older sister or brother going, he's about to say that bit, isn't he, where the water's banked up. And the dad's like, yeah, and the water's banked up. And it was incredible. And the young child's there thinking, well, tell me more, tell me more. You can just imagine the scene of the, the fathers recalling this story to the next generation. There's something beautiful about this story that um, is also about legacy, isn't there? There's this incident about what's the next generation going to live with? What is our next generation going to carry on? Are we raising kids that believe in the faithfulness of God? Are we raising a generation that believes in the deliverance and miraculous power of a breakthrough God? These stones showed the signs of a miraculous God. And later on, in the, the, towards the end of the chapter, 
And we even have the, the reoccurrence of the story of, of um, the redemption through the Red Sea. Because this, this isn't the first time it happened, is it? <laughs> it's almost like they, they forgot. The people of God forgot. Oh, yeah, a river? Well, it's only a river. God did the Red Sea. <laughs> he can do the River Jordan. That's no problem at all. And yet there's this sense that the people of God kind of forgot <laughs> that their God is a delivering God that he's a God of breakthrough, that he's a supernatural, powerful God. And they're wandering around and they're getting distracted and all of a sudden it's the River Jordan. They're like, Joshua, what do we do? It's like, well, what about the Red Sea? Do you not remember? God provided a way for us to come out of slavery. Those miraculous signs where God brought us out. It's incredible. I wonder how we're doing when it comes to displaying the mighty hand of the Lord how we're doing when it comes to telling stories about what God has done in our life. How are we reflecting the miraculous and powerful hand of God? It's been really cool being part of Redeemer, just learning from them how they started this church for when we go to Berlin. But it's also just being really amazing, being, full, uh, being part of a spirit-filled community of people that love Jesus and love the city of The Hague. And God's been doing some incredible things in Redeemer International Church. Uh, when we first arrived, uh, there's some guys that got healed of an um, allergy to citrus fruit. Uh, one of the guys uh, been prayed for at this training academy group that we do. And um, he got healed of, of uh, eating oranges. And as he shared this testimony, someone else said, well, wait a sec, I'm allergic to oranges as well. Can you pray for me? And as they prayed for him, this guy then went away and days later realized, oh, uh, well, I got prayed for and therefore I believe in a God who heals. Maybe I should test this out. And so he went and got an orange and ate the orange and he's completely fine. Miraculous God doing miracles amongst us. Over the Easter service, we celebrated what Jesus did for us on the cross on Good Friday. And just during worship, we just said, why don't we just pray for each other during worship? A guy who used to play professional hockey at a very high standard, had his knee smashed to pieces, operated on it time and time again, couldn't bend it very much at all. By the end of the worship time, he could bend his knee fully, which he'd never been able to do since these injuries and, and surgery. A miraculous God that is working amongst us. It's great to tell stories of what God's done, isn't it? It stirs our faith about what he's going to do and what he wants to do. A miraculous God that delivers us. What do these stones mean, friends? What do these stones mean? They mean we worship a miraculous God who is faithful, has delivered us, and wants to deliver us. And as Sarah shared that word about breakthrough, there is this sense, isn't there, that for some of us, we're facing situations where it is impossible. It is, we need the breakthrough of God. Actually, we need a miracle in our lives. And we need to see God break in. And I'm sure that's true for some of you this morning. But I think there's also some of us that we're just a little bit like the Israelites. And we forget, <laughs> oh, yeah, you've delivered me, Jesus. And actually, sometimes like we just... We just forget the fact that God is miraculous and that he's delivered us. And there's these situations that we face where actually all we really need to do is be reminded that God is miraculous and that we need to ask for him to come and break through again in our lives. Uh, and, and maybe that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a healing in your life or maybe it's just a change of your thinking and a reminding of actually, no, that I don't, that's not a problem anymore. <laughs> Jesus can carry that now. That's not my problem to carry. He dealt with that. That issue, that problem has been dealt with. I've had breakthrough. I don't need to go back to it. He's delivered me from it. And I love Colossians 1. It says, uh, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. He has transferred us into the kingdom of his son. 
These stones are to be a memorial of what God has done, a memorial of his faithfulness and his delivering power. But what else? What else do these stones mean? These stones are to be a sign that our God is a God of the nations, that our God is a God of the people of the earth. Verse 24 said, So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God. So that who? All the peoples of the earth. There was this special thing on the people of God about them. Like there was this thing about them that was supposed to reflect the holiness of God, the law of God to other nations around. They would grow and multiply in and through having children and, and raising up the next generation. But there was also this special thing on the people of God that would reflect the holiness to other nations. And so it wasn't just the children of God growing up that would need reminding. These stones were also a sign to other nations of a God who is faithful, of a God who does work miracles, of a God who is holy. Friends, God's heart has always been for the nations of the earth. I read you earlier Genesis 12, where God spoke to Abraham about God's people being blessed to be a blessing. Being blessed to be a blessing to the nations of the earth. And right throughout the Bible, right throughout this big story of salvation, God's big story, his heart for the nations, we read time and time again about God's heart for the nations. We have these prophetic words in the Old Testament where God often would call God's people back to him, like a bit of what's going on in this story of Joshua. He's calling them back to his plans. But we also have these prophetic scriptures about how one day God's going to call all nations we read it at the end of the, the, the book of Revelation that one day every knee and tribal tongue will bow before the throne of God. We read these passages like in Isaiah 11, 9, where it says, The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord one day. It will, friends. And there's a sense that that's something that's going to come, but that's also something that actually we can see the fulfillment of now. There's a mandate on us to see that now, that the glory, what do I mean by glory? What do I mean by presence? Well, it's Jesus. It's him being present in situations. It's him reaching out to the nations. And when we see Jesus come to earth, we see his heart straight away, not just for Israel, but his heart for Jews and Gentiles. He comes and calls the people to himself, his disciples, and then he commissions them. And we see his heart is for the nations of the earth. Luke 24, 47 says, Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. We know the Great Commission where God sends out the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. We read right at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus died, he's resurrected. Before he's about to ascend on high, he says to the disciples, Wait in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit's going to come and empower you. You're going to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. His heart has always been for us as a people to be blessed so that we can be a blessing to the nations of the earth. Friends, what do these stones mean? They are a message to the world, but they're also a reminder to us, oh yeah, I've been called to be a blessing. I've been called to be a blessing to my neighbor and to the nations. You've been called, friends, to be a blessing to your neighbor and to the nations. I just kind of want to finish by sharing with you a little bit of our story about how God has called us to be a blessing to our neighbours and to the nations. We, uh, as I've just sure shared a bit already, are on this amazing adventure. And I think just before I lead into it, i uh, just tell you this question that we often get asked at the moment. People keep saying to us, how are you going to do it? How are you going to start a church? And I'm like, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't really know, if I'm honest. Um, but I, have, I don't know if you've heard of this book. It's called the Bible. And in it, there's another book. It's called the Book of Acts. And it tells us all about like, the early church and how they started it, how they did it. And we read about the life of the church going from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. And as you read through the Book of Acts, you see guys like the Apostle Paul and others. They go into a town and they share the good news of Jesus They demonstrate the kingdom of heaven. And then they proclaim the good news of Jesus. And people come to faith. They get healed. They get delivered. They get saved. And what Paul does is he's like, right, we need some leaders. I'll appoint you and you. You can be leaders because I'm going off somewhere else. I need to start another church. And he does it again. He shares this good news. And when you read the book of Acts, you read time and time and time again that actually what was known as Paul's missionary journeys actually is a strategy for the expansion of the gospel to the ends of the earth through starting churches. Let me read to you a few quotes before I tell you a bit more about our story. There's a guy called Ed Stetzer. He says, For years, most Bible teachers have referred to Paul's missionary journeys, but we refer to them as Paul's church planting journeys. Bob Roberts says in his um, book, The Multiplying Church, churches have to own church planting, and that means giving it to the people. It has to be viewed as seriously as any other ministry in the church. If not, the core of what it means to see radical transformation in communities and the nations of the world. Again, Ed Stetzer, modifying a quote from a guy called Peter Wagner, whoever Pete is. The single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven is planting new churches, who then in turn reproduce themselves other new churches. Peter Wagner is an amazing guy, but I'm just thinking most of us probably don't know who he is. The essence of what it means to reach the nations, friends, the most effective way of evangelism is starting new churches. And so we're going to go and give it a go. Um, God has spoken to us as a family of churches, uh, new grounds who we're part of, about uh, reaching Europe as a starting point for the nations. And uh, Berlin is the capital city of Germany. And Germany is right at the heart of Europe, friends. It's right at the heart of Europe. And um, there's this, there was this prophetic question that came, has God forgotten Europe uh, over new grounds? And there was this resounding cry at the last Ashburnham, uh, no, he hasn't. And, uh, and we believe as a couple and as a team, really cool to have Pete and Sabina Cow here with us this morning. These guys are coming with us on this church planting adventure. We believe God has called us to go to this very strategic place to do the very thing I've just been talking about. For those of you who don't know anything about Berlin, oh, also we have the I don't want to embarrass him, but we have the pleasure and honor of having a real Berliner in the room this morning. This is uh, Sabina's cousin, um, Matthias, and, and he's a Berliner. He's visiting Sabina, so it's a real privilege to have you here this morning, mate. Uh, maybe you should be doing this bit, but um, uh, we've got lots to learn from Matthias. But um, uh, uh, yeah, Berlin is a city of 3.6 million people made up of many nations. Uh, it's a, a city that many people go and study in, 200,000 students that go to s- colleges and universities across the city. It's got the largest economy in Europe. It's a significant country. Uh, this is a van that went through London not long after um, the announcement of Brexit. <laughs> Encouraging people, entrepreneurs to move to Berlin. You're very welcome in Berlin. <laughs> It's also uh, just a hugely creative city, a dynamic city full of lots of different um, characters. It's a very eclectic, uh, alternative, uh, bohemian city, um, not much like East Grinstead or Seven Oaks. Uh, it's a very multicultural city uh, made up of loads and loads of creatives, and uh, we're really excited to, to kind of share Jesus with them. Um, but it's a desperate city. 
it's, it's a desperate city and, and a desperate nation. It's a city that at the moment uh, is known as the atheist capital of Europe. It's a city that at the moment, according to statistics, uh, 1% or uh, I read in a, a charismatic magazine, 0.5% of the population attend a gospel-centered, spirit-filled church. 3.6 million, 0.5%. It's a bit of a need there, isn't there? A need for the gospel. Oh. And so um, we feel God's called us to go and play our part in the answer to that need. And the answer is Jesus. We believe God's called us to see a restoration in the lives of Berliners, introducing them to King Jesus, to see a restoration in the church, that the New Testament church we read about would draw people to Jesus. And actually that would then lead to a reformation of society. And we're really excited to be praying in the, the lead up to this church plant for God to do amazing and remarkable things. And we want to invite you this morning to come and pray with us. Uh, you can come and join us on two particular prayer days. We've got two new ground Berlin prayer days. First one is on Saturday the 1st of July in Sidcup, London. And the second one is on Saturday the 28th of October in Berlin itself. So if you want a fun weekend away and come and pray with some guys that you think um, you just want to cheer on, then come and join us in Berlin on Saturday the 28th of October. But also if you feel that maybe this morning is, I've been invited to come and share with you guys, uh, you just want to partner with us in another way, prayer is a big thing. I really ask you, please, please pray for us. And on our website, berlinadventure.tv, you can sign up, maybe even right now, you can sign up to a monthly email we send out just giving specific prayer points of things that are going on. At the moment, it's mainly about our time and this church planting internship. But over the coming years, it will be specific prayer points about the church that's being started in Berlin. And please, just come and talk to us if you're interested uh, in any way at all. We're really uh, grateful and are humbled by um, your elders inviting us this morning just to come and share some of what's in our heart for Berlin. And I uh, really appreciate, I know that God's been speaking to you as a church about the nation of Germany. And I really believe that um, God's actually maybe speaking to some of you specifically as well about not just Germany, and, but, but Berlin and what God wants to do in this great nation. And I uh, just really want to encourage you, just... Just to remain open to consider, oh, is God calling me on an adventure? Is God calling me to a Berlin adventure? We'd love to chat with you afterwards about what that might mean. Uh, Keith Green is a, a worship leader in the 80s, a well-known uh, missionary and worship leader. He, he was once known for saying this uh, to a church congregation, put your hands up if you know that God has called you by staying here. And people would put their hands up. And he said, well, great, that means the rest of you are called to the nations. <laughs> I know that for the majority of you in this room, you're called to be a blessing and to go and be a witness to your neighbor here in Seven Oaks. And that is fantastic. That is amazing. But I wonder, for some of you, maybe God is just nudging you. The best strategy of evangelizing the world is by starting new churches. This summer at Ashburnham, we're going to be announcing as new ground that we have 26 church plants going on. That is amazing, by the way. You can say, wow, or amen, or whoa, that's cool. Especially even more so because two years ago at Ashburnham, there was five that were happening, and now 26. And that's really exciting that we can be part of that. Um, yes, very exciting. Anyway, let me just bring this thing to a close. So this morning, I, I felt stirred to share with you this story of Joshua, a story of how God reflects his faithfulness to his people. He fulfills his promises I wonder this morning, maybe you're here and you know that there's been some promises in your life that haven't yet been fulfilled. 
There's been some things that God has spoken over your life that you haven't yet seen the fulfillment of. Maybe you're even coming in front of this barrier, this river maybe, that you're being confronted with. And God would just say to you, there is a way for you to see breakthrough this morning. I'm going to pray in a second for breakthrough. And we want to invite you back again this evening. We're really going to go for this tonight and believe for some big breakthrough, healings, signs and wonders. God just to bring breakthrough in people's lives. But the thing about this sign, this, uh, this statue, this memorial, is that actually... Um, it all points, doesn't it, to a greater sign, a greater memorial, a greater symbol. And uh, even, even the incredible thing about the, the word Joshua, uh, the word Joshua actually can be translated as Jesus. And uh, this story of Joshua is about how God called a leader to deliver his people and bring them into the promises of God. And the most awesome thing for us is that we have a greater Joshua. <laughs> his name's Jesus. And uh, there was a call earlier this morning about this gift of coming to know him. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't know him. You know, I wonder if you know what's the most, um, let me get this right. What's the, there's probably lots of answers to this question. Remember, um, what is the, the thing that Justin Bieber, um, David Beckham, um, and um, let me see, Harry Styles all have in common? Probably lots of things is the answer to that question. One of the things that they have in common is that they all wear one of these around their neck. This is, a, this is a symbol. This is a sign. It's like a memorial in one sense, except it's not the only one. It's, it's the cross where Jesus died for us. There's another one. It's the empty grave. <laughs> and we'd be hard to wear that around our necks, wouldn't it? It'd be a bit weird. But um, Jesus came to earth, friends, because he loves us. He died for us. And then he resurrected to give us new life. And you might be here this morning. You might be, what's this young guy going on about? Who even is this? I just need to tell you, Jesus loves you. <laughs> He loves you so much. He laid down his life for you. <laughs> he rose again to give you new life. And you can come and know him this morning. And friends, maybe you're just struggling with just an issue at the moment. You need to be reminded God is faithful. Jesus is faithful. Maybe you're struggling with a challenge at the moment. You need to be reminded that he has delivered you and he can deliver you. Let me just pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for our time this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you're king, you're the king on the throne. We thank you that your heart is for the nations. And we want to be reminded this morning, Lord God, that you are faithful, that you've delivered us, and that your heart is not just for me and my little Christian club, but your heart is for my neighbor, and your heart is for the nations. And you've called us to share your love with everyone we meet. <laughs> and so we just want to do that, and we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you you love us, you've brought us through, you're going to bring us through. And we thank you, Lord, that you've commissioned us to share your love with many other people. And I thank you for this church, and I pray you would bless it. I pray you bless our time tonight as we go after you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Thank you.